we are talking about faith. And you know, our faith is founded upon something that is immovable, which is the word of God. Do you know God, the Bible says not only he, he's a God who never changes, right? He never lies. Even, even Pastor Titus in Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says he is the God that cannot lie. It is impossible for him to speak a lie because he's God. Everything he speaks will come to pass. Isn't that amazing? And then God placed in you and I a measure of his kind of faith. And then he gave us his word. He breathed his word so that we can hear it and so faith could be ignited on the inside of us so not only would his word and his faith fill the inside of us, but it would overflow and constantly come out of our mouths because we hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. Guys, we don't have faith in a God who is the head of some religion. He is your heavenly father. Jesus is your great redeemer. He's your Lord. He right now is watching over his word to perform it in your life. He already gave you everything, right? And now when you believe that he did what he said he did and confess that with your mouth, when you speak his word, he comes and will perform that. Isn't that good news? So we're talking about how to have or how to operate in the faith of God. And this is week five. Man, I'm telling you, we are living in a season, I believe. Oh, I believe we're at the end of the church age. This is a day. I could, I could sense it and feel it in my spirit. This is a time of multiplication. This is a time that you can grab hold of a truth from the word of God and just go further than our brothers and sisters have been able to go in times past. Everything in God increases. Right? And this, 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 this game, it's really not a game, but this, this thing that we call life, the church age, is about to come to a close. And it's not going to come to a close with some weak church. No, I want to encourage you. We have faith in the one who loves us, who will never leave us, never forsake us, will always do what he says. Man, if you have sickness or disease in your body, I don't care how serious it is, he said, I sent my word and healed you. He said, don't forget my benefits, Psalm 103. Not only am I the God who sent my son and he died in your place and he for, all of your transgressions are forgiven. All of them. But not only that, another benefit is he heals all of your diseases. So no matter what you're facing tonight, you can grab hold of this and declare with what his word says, I will not die, but I will live, and I will declare the works of the Lord. Fear can't stay in his presence. Poverty and lack can't stay in his presence. Depression can't stay because the peace of God will pull it out and push it out, right? Jesus came to give us his quality of life, but that more abundantly. Actually, that word... I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. That phrase in the Greek could be translated, and too much. I've came to give you my quality of life and too much. Why, why would he say that? Because it's too much for you. It's too much for you to keep to yourself. You have plenty for you and plenty to give away. Amen. Right? Because we're, see, if we were just here for us, the minute you got saved, he'd just take you home. Why keep you in the valley of the shadow of death? We're here to show the world how good God is. Yeah. 
right? Amen. Well, let's go to Mark chapter 11. Let's jump off. This is a foundational scripture. Now, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to these past four messages, I would encourage you to go back. It will build your faith. It will equip you individually to walk out God's plan for your life. The anointing that is upon the word in these messages will lift burdens, will destroy yokes of bondage, will bring clarity to your life. I thank you for the anointing of God, O oh Father. I thank you for the anointing of the Spirit of God that is here tonight to help us. And he'll meet you right where you are. Right where you are. He'll take you by the hand and if you'll simply believe him and be willing and obedient, he will walk you out of all the junk and into everything that he has for you. Amen. It's good news. Good news. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. After he curses the fig tree, they ask him, hey, Lord, look at that. The tree you cursed is dried up from the root. He responds to them, and he answers, and he says unto them, have faith in God. You could translate it, as I've said before, have faith in God. You could also translate it, have the God kind of faith. And then he's going to take two verses of scripture, and he's going to talk about how the operation of faith works in two different applications. So he goes on to say, now this one in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, this is one application of the faith of God. This is how you apply the faith of God when things are coming against your life that are not from him. Anything that's not from him, any mountain, any addiction, any shortage, any sickness and disease, any poverty and lack, all this stuff that's coming against you, Jesus is saying, this is how you operate in the God kind of faith. This is how you operate. This is how it's talking about. This is how you talk to your problems. You talk to them. You don't talk about them. You talk to them. They have ears, every one of them, right? Because everything that will ever come against you in life has a demonic, a demonic root, okay? And the demonic root, the good news for us is they're stripped, they're defeated, they can't stay, right? They can't overcome you as a child of God. So Jesus says this, For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say, say unto this mountain, is it a mountain of debt? Is it a mountain of addiction? Is it whatever, what is it, a mountain of sickness? Whosoever shall say, he didn't say, so whosoever shall pray, he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and then he says this, and shall not doubt in his heart. We spent a lot of time last week about doubting, to differ with, to contend with, to oppose. One minute you believe God's word, the next minute you don't. That the faith of God doesn't operate that way. You have to say to the mountain, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, sickness get out of my body, poverty and lack you leave my life, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Now we know, what, what is the word for heart there? Cardia, right? Yeah. It's talking about your mind. You could, read, you could read it like this, and shall not doubt in his soul, shall not doubt in his mind, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Boy, people have a hard time with this. You know, people make fun of this. Do you know people make fun of me for teaching this? I get excited about that because I'm like, praise God, I'm doing something right. Because I didn't say this. God said you could have what you say, right? But this is where they go off in defense of them. They think that we're saying whatever we want, we can just speak it and it'll come to pass. 
right? No, 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 no. No, we can receive through this faith what God has already given us by his grace. So if he says, I could have healing for anything that ever comes against me, I could have freedom from every addiction, I could have freedom from depression, anxiety, fear, all this stuff, I could have financial freedom in life, he already said he gave it to me, so that's, what I, that's why I could have what I say. Because my faith is grabbing hold of what he said, right? I can't just go out there and go, you know what, Rolls Royce B, right? No, unfortunately, I'm sure people have probably taught that, you know, Star Trek teachers, boldly teaching what no man has taught before, right, including God, right? But we're, we get this right here. He'll have whatsoever he says. So in other words, faith involves hearing God's word, believing God's word. You choose to believe God's word, and then it involves releasing what you believe when you speak, right? So then now he's going to talk in verse 24 of another application of the faith of God, how the faith of God operates in prayer to receive something that God has given you. So the first one was faith against something, to get it out of your life. This one is faith to receive something into your life. Does that make sense? It says here, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, this word desire means whatever you call for, require, or make a demand for. Well, what would you do? What would you call for, require, or make a demand for? Something that God says he's already given you. Okay, does that make sense? What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So you believe you receive when? When you pray. And then another point in time, and you shall have them. I really wish he would have said you shall have them within seven days. That would have been awesome. Because could you imagine, could you imagine how you would get an attitude? You just hit the timer. You'd be like, Satan, watch this. Six days, 23 hours, 58 seconds. Right? But he didn't say that, did he? Why? Because it's faith. We believe. The way God works, he, everything works on faith. God wants us to walk united with him in an intimate fellowship where you know if he said it, he'll do it. You believe you receive and then you'll have. First John chapter 5, it says, another scripture says the same thing. It says, if you ask anything according to my will, right? He basically says, I hear you. And if you know that I hear you for whatever you ask, you know you have the petition you've just asked me for. If you ask anything according to his will, why? Because you believe you receive it. So how do you deal with this? The operation of faith, is it either or? Oh my gosh, pastor, what do I do? Verse 23 or verse 24, right? Yes. So what do I mean by that? So let's say you have sickness in your body. You speak to it, right? It is written. He sent his word and healed me. It is written in Galatians chapter three. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And according to Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law, even in verse 61, says it includes every sickness and every disease that will ever come on mankind. It is written. So now, Satan, I command you to take your hands off my body. Sickness and disease, let's say it's arthritis. Arthritis I know this might freak some doctors out, but arthritis, I know you have ears. And I know you can hear me right now. And I command you in the name of Jesus 
you leave my body, leave every joint in my body, you leave and never come back. In Jesus' name. The Bible says if you believe what you say and don't doubt in your heart, you'll have what you say. Then what do you do after that? Well, Father, I thank you that it is written. Right? Right. That by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. So right now, Father, I come and I'm calling for my healing. Matthew chapter 8 says, Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain on the cross. If it's finances, Jesus was made poor on that cross so that I, through his poverty, might be made rich. He dealt with poverty and lack. So, Father, I call for the finances. I call for my healing right now. I believe that I receive it. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you that I believe that I receive right now, and I know I'll have it. What's left to do? Do you ever have to ask him again? No. No. God doesn't forget right? He doesn't forget. He, he, he's, he, Jesus is watching over his word. So instantly when you speak, the word of God does what? Faith always works. You could see it all through the Bible when Jesus operated. It works in the unseen first and then it works its way out into the seen. The fig tree was dried up from the root. If you were waiting to see the results before you believed it, you'd be the last to know, Right? When he, when he spoke to a storm that was trying to sink the boat to keep him from going to the other side, it says, what did he do? The first thing he did was he spoke to the wind and then he calmed the sea. Unseen and then seen. It's always that way. So you know when you believe you receive, the word of God goes to work and it breaks the root of whatever that it is there and now it will start working out. You believe that you receive and you shall have, okay? So that's the intro. So let's keep going with this. So now let's go to Mark chapter, go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. You guys doing okay? Man, I'm just sensing a lot of hungry people. We're going to have to, Pastor Dave, we're going to have to start getting like napkins in here. Because people are like drooling. They're like, because you know you love the word and you know it's the answer. Listen, God's answer for you tonight is yes. He is not withholding anything from anybody. That's all religion. Right? Call me anything, don't call me religious. Right? No, no, this is about a relationship. Mark chapter 16. So let's talk about some things here. Look, now this is Jesus operating while he was on the earth. Look, look at what happened after his resurrection. Now when Jesus was risen... Now, remember, he told his disciples multiple times, right? I'm coming out of the grave, right? Now, they didn't hear it, but he told them. But we look in Scripture, and we can see all throughout why. So, So you see all through the Bible here where people, the reason why their heart got hard is because they chose not to believe what God said. So look at this. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him and as they mourned and wept. So here the disciples are mourning, they're weeping. He appears to Mary. Mary goes back to tell them something. Hey, I've seen Jesus, right? And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. They chose to not believe Mary. Okay? After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the residue. In other words, the two went and talked to the other nine right? The two are like, wow, Mary was right. We just saw Jesus. So they go tell the other nine, the residue, the rest of them, right? He told it to the residue and neither did they believe them, right? So now afterwards, verse 14, 
he, talking about Jesus, appeared unto the eleven as they sat at dinner. Man, you know, in, in, in parts of this country, you got dinner, supper, but King Jimmy calls it just meat. See? I mean, he was keto, right? That's just a little nugget. For those of you who come to church for a nugget, there's a nugget for you, right? Meat, no. So they sat at meat, and, and what did Jesus do to them? He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Unbelief, hardness of heart. They would, what does that mean? They would not let the great truth of the resurrection in. They wouldn't let it in. They wouldn't believe it. Do you know there's, there's Christians that sit in church and they hear the word multiple times a week, even sit at home, but then they choose because of what's going on in their body or in their life, they literally choose not to believe it. They don't, they don't let it in. Right? Did Jesus say he sent his word and healed them that have the proper education or do the proper behavior? Did it, did, do you, if you have that translation, throw it out, right? That's, wow, right? All of this that we're talking about is not based on your behavior, it's based on Jesus's behavior, what he did, right? So he upbraided them. Why? Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Here's a big thing about operating in the faith of God. Faith is a choice. Believing is a choice. You, you, you choose. Am I going to believe this or am I not going to believe it? Right? Jesus upbraided them because they would not believe. Not because they could not believe. He's fair. You got to know this. He upbraided them because they would not believe. I know I lived my life for many years not really believing that God would take care of me financially. I just, even though his word, he talks more about money and how he's a provider. It's the very, I mean, he's Jehovah Jireh, he's El Shaddai. All this, everything about who he is is a provider of more than enough, and I just chose not to believe it. I wouldn't let that truth in. Why am I saying that tonight? Because it's a choice. So you can sit here tonight and just choose to believe it. And walk in all of it. Is it that simple? Yes, it is that simple. And here's the thing, the more you get to know God, you will see that what he does in your life is he will work overtime to show you over and over and over again that you can trust him. I mean, he'll show you how merciful he is. When, you're, when you get in a wrong place, he's just right there going, hey, don't worry about it, let's go. Right? You didn't mess anything up. I remember when God told me, he said, Tony, my mercy is so much greater than your disobedience. Right? But I mean, think about it. Could your disobedience mess up redemption? Could it, could it somehow weaken the blood of Jesus? No. No, it can't. But it all starts. You've got to choose to believe. So believing's a choice, right? In other words, these guys were unpersuadable. I love the story about Thomas. Do you know when we were in Ephesus, I mean, we literally were in Ephesus, and that, that, uh, that archaeological site is awesome because all the other ones, when we went on the journey of Paul, all the other ones, they would build, they would build everything new on the top of the remains of the other. So you'd have to dig down to find out, you know, stuff from Jesus' day. Not Ephesus. It, they built 
they didn't build anything on this. So it was kind of amazing. And we were going, remember when we walked to that one place where Timothy was martyred? I stood on the street where he, his blood was martyred. He was bold at the end of his life. Right? Some of these guys, but you know, some of these guys, I mean, Paul would talk about Timothy. He'd encourage him because he's like, come on, Timothy. You know, I mean, Timothy, Paul kind of just was really easy with in a lot of ways. Then you got Titus. Titus is like, here, here's a squirt gun. Go to the toughest place on the planet. No problem. See you, Paul. Right? But God deals with everybody just where they are. But then you got this guy, Thomas. What do you know him as? Do you know if you study how he died, this guy was he was ferocious for God. But what do we know him as? Doubting Thomas. Do you, what did Jesus do, though? It said that after the resurrection, Jesus walks through, the, walks through the wall, and he talks to him, and he walks up to Thomas, and he says, Thomas, put your fingers in the holes in my hands, or it would be in his wrists. Thrust your hand into my side, and stop being faithless, but believe. And then after that happened, I mean, Thomas gets completely restored, and then Jesus leaves. He doesn't do anything else. In other words, Jesus came all the way there after his resurrection for one thing, to help somebody get in faith. God will, like in your situation right now, he will do everything he can just short of violating your will. He'll never violate your will. If you choose to, to believe the outside circumstances instead of him, he will continually woo you to believe him. But he, he will do as much as he possibly can. But still, still you're going to have to choose to believe. But just know God will meet you. Like, if, like you know, if you're having trouble honoring God in your finances which I don't know of anybody who got saved and didn't have any trouble with that, right? Because it's pretty simple. Gosh, if I tithe, I won't have enough for this. And, you know, but if you just simply believe, if you just simply believe and you're like, but pastor, see, this is where people are at today. But I just, I just, I'm having so much trouble believing this. Oh, that's only because you haven't spent as much time with him as you need to. Right? Do you know, when I first met Pastor Dave, I mean, you instantly know when you meet Pastor Dave. This is a man of character. He's awesome. Right? You instantly know that. And then, when he came on staff, part-time, you know, we got to know each other. But then, after all these years... Man, I there's a trust that I have from him for him because of the relationship. I've spent time with him. I've watched him in situations. Right? I know him. God wants you to see it's imperative. You're going to see that part of this walking by faith, it's an ongoing relationship. Right? Do you know, I see Pastor Dave a lot, but I don't spend as much time with him, not even even close as I spend with the Lord. I, I spend, I'm always with him. If I get too busy and I kind of forget that, I mean, I'm, I mean, literally, all the time, I'll just come right back to that. He's here, he's in my life. I'm speaking his word, I'm thanking him. I, I spend time with him. I read the word of God. Here's what's really funny. You could read the Bible and you could be sitting here going, what in the heck is that talking about? And while you're saying that in your mind, your heart is getting to know him. Everything about God 
is he desires to bring you to a place to reveal who he is so that you will trust him with your life. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Don't believe a tumor in your body above what the word of God says. Don't let Satan talk you into what you, just because you could see something, hear it, smell it, feel it, don't, that's not truth. That's not your end result. Your end result is what God says. Amen? So they were unpersuadable. So now let's go, let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. It says this, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Take heed. Be very careful. Watch yourself, lest there be in any of you an evil, the Bible calls it an evil heart of unbelief. That word unbelief literally means rebellious disobedience. What is the result of that in departing from the living God? What did Adam and Eve do when they sinned and fell in the garden? They departed. They went and hid themselves. Why, why do Christians do that? Because you're just living out of your flesh. That's it. Don't get down on yourself. Just change. You can change just in a moment. As a matter of fact, you are made to believe God. You are made to do the miraculous. You are made so that God can bring the miraculous through from the unseen into the seen through that channel of faith that you believe him for. Right? Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You could always tell, you could always tell where you're at. Don't, don't, don't spend any time thinking about where other people are at. You, you need to be up to here about where you're at. Right? Because God has great plans for your life. He has great plans for your family. Right, He has great plans for them. And the, the determining factor is not going to be how good he is. It's not going to be all that stuff about him. The determining factor is going to be your faith. You see that over and over and over in the word of God. It's not a matter of what God can do. It's a matter of what you can believe. Right? Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 6. I love this. It says, but without faith... It is impossible to please him. Wow. Why is that? Because what pleases God is when he can get everything over to you that he's already provided for you. Could you imagine, could you imagine being a father or a mother and seeing your child starving? And you, you just, you see them starving and you're like, son, daughter, I, you're, I filled up your refrigerator and your freezer with food. I, I, and they're sitting, in their, they're sitting in their living room in misery going, I just don't believe it. Mom, dad, I've just, I've just done you wrong so many times. I just don't believe you'd do that for me. And I'm like, Come on. Right? That's what we end up doing with God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. What, do you, what does that mean? Must believe that he is who he says he is. And you must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, when you reach up, you have to believe that he's reaching down. When you draw near to him, he's drawing near to you. Right? Now, it wasn't like that in the beginning. We couldn't draw near to him because we were dead in our sins. So in that time, Christ made the first move 
or God the Father made the first move, sent his son, and his son paid our debt. Now, that was the first move. Now, the move is ours. If you're sitting here tonight and you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, he did everything to be in relationship with you. He made a way for you to walk out of death into life. But you have to make that step. But this is who he is. You got to believe that he is who he says he is. I came, I died for you, I paid your price, I carried all your sickness, I took care of all the financial stuff, I, I provided everything to you, but now you have to make that decision to move forward. But as soon as you move towards him, you also have to believe that he's moving towards you. Do you see how that just blows this whole doctrine about, well, you know, God is sovereign, and sometimes he will bless somebody, but sometimes he just chooses not to because, you know, his ways are higher. And they even quote parts of scripture, but not the whole thing. No, no, God is good all the time. What do you do with, the, what do you do with that verse that says all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen, which means so be it unto you. Right? God's good all the time. It says that over and over and over. He's never bad. And in case you can't figure it out, in James, Pastor James, God used him. God breathed through that man's writings in the book of James that every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness. That means in the Greek language, variableness means if he did it for one and he won't do it for others, he's varying. But he, if he did it for one, he'll do it for you. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is the God who never changes. Isn't that good news? See, why does it say that? So that you could have faith. If, if I said to everybody here that Everybody who's here tonight in this auditorium will get a $100 bill except one person. How many of you could have faith for that $100? Not one of you could. You know why? Because how do you know you're not the one? But see, God never says that. He, said, he says what I've done for one, I'll do for all. He died for the sins of the whole world. This is a whosoever will, let him come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. God's saying, how close do you want to know me? Right? I will walk with you. Did Peter, James, and John, the, the kind of, seems like the inner circle of the 12, did they pick Jesus or did Jesus pick them? I believe they picked Jesus. I mean, there's a lot of scriptures about that when you look at the call of God. Many are called, few are chosen. You determine whether you're a vessel of wood or a vessel of gold. We choose. So I'm going to keep, and here's the secret. The more you feed on him, the hungrier you get for him. The more time you spend with him, the more time you will want to spend with him. Pretty soon, what all this stuff in your flesh that's pulling you away from God, that will be seem like nothing compared to the passion that you will feel to run for him, to be with him. You'll start trying to figure out your schedule, how you could clear it so that you could spend more time one-on-one -on -one with him. When you see, the Bible says you've got to taste, though, in order to see that he's good. Faith is very important to God. Faith is the way that you and I live. Faith is the way that you and I walk. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world system. Faith is the way, the way we please God. Faith is the way we receive from God. What grace has provided, faith must possess. Okay, you see that? How you receive salvation is how you receive healing. It's how you receive provision. It's how you receive 
everything else you'll ever receive from God. So I would say all of you right now in this room know how to receive from God. Because if you're born again, you received. Could it be that simple? Yes. So the word believe is used 101 times in the gospel of John. There are just under 50 references in the New Testament mentioning the will of God, just under 50. There are almost 600 references in the New Testament mentioning faith and believing. I wonder if God wants us to walk by faith, right? So let's go to James real quick. James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Now this word hearers is the Greek word that means one who listens, but has no intent of practicing or doing what he hears. He's just, he's just listening. Okay? There's a big difference between this word here and Romans chapter 10, verse 17, where it says faith comes by hearing. That's a different Greek word. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, look at this, deceiving your own selves. If you're one who is listening to the word of God with no intent of doing what you're hearing, the Bible says you are in a position to be self-deceived. Satan doesn't even have to deceive you. And you see that. There's a lot of people that listen to the word all the time, but they're, they're, just, they're just listening. No intent of doing it. They'll even amen. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, awesome. Preach it. Tell it. Tell it like it ought to be told, right? They, but, they, but they have no intention of doing it. The Bible says this person deceives themselves. They think they're in faith when they're not. They think they're actually walking in love when they're not. They actually think that they're right in the will of God when they're not. Right? I mean, I remember talking to God, going, God, I'm just, I'm just doing everything I can do to do what you want me to do. Why is nothing working? And the Lord had to walk me through the fact that I wasn't doing anything that he wanted me to do. I was just on the works treadmill trying to be good and kept falling and falling. The more I tried, the bigger, the bigger stupid things I'd do. Because, man, you get in your own strength and in your own ability and Satan will eat your lunch. But when you let it all go and you just say, okay, Lord, I want to walk I want to walk by the faith of God. I want to walk yielding to the love of God. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to walk in your strength. Man, I want to be strong like you were. I want to believe and have walk in faith like you did, Jesus. I want to do all these things. But I have no idea how to do any of them. And you know what? I don't, it doesn't matter. I, I know you've created me to do this, so now I'm going to just going to give all of this to you. And Holy Spirit, help me. And I'm hungry for you. And you say that when you're not. Man, I'll tell you, if you're not hungry for him, get that in your mouth. Oh, I'm hungry and thirsting after you. You might not go, oh, you, you phony, fake. Keep saying it. I hunger and I thirst after you. I'm tasting and I'm seeing that you are good. All of a sudden, those words will start going off in your spirit. And you'll be like, wow, things are changing. Because now God will be propelling your life, not you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. The doer of the word confesses the word and lives the word. Speaking the word sometimes and speaking your circumstances other times does not work. 
That's what a hearer does that's not doing it. But a doer of the word confesses the word and lives by the word. All under the context, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me. Verse 23, for if any be a hearer, again, one listening with no intent of practicing what he hears, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, this is what he's like. He's like a man looking at himself, beholding his natural face in a glass. That's the Greek word for mirror. He beholds himself. He's looking at himself. And then when he stops looking, he goes whose way? His way. And he immediately forgets what manner of man that he was. That he was when? When he was looking in the mirror. You mean to tell me I could sit in church and I could sit here and go, wow, I have my answer. And get all excited and then get up after church. It's almost like in church I, I walked in a revelation of the word but then afterwards, 20 minutes after service, I forget that I'm the healed, that I'm strong in the Lord, and I'm just back to me. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. So we got to deal with this, don't we? Because we don't want to do that. I think I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that go, Pastor, I'm all in on this thing. I want to walk this thing out. Right? Right? If you, are, if you only listen to the word of God, you're like a man that's looking in a natural mirror, but when you put it down, you just walk away and you forget, you forget who you were when you were looking in that mirror. But, verse 25, whoso looks, now here's the key. This Greek word looks means whoever looks and keeps on looking. That means you get some answers, you're taking notes, this scripture jumped off the page, you might not have a complete set of notes because I talk too fast. But whosoever looks and keeps on looking into the perfect law of liberty. I love that James calls this the perfect law of freedom. We call it a Bible. He calls it the perfect law of freedom. There are laws in here. Do you know a law works the same way for everyone who will work it? Amen. I don't care how rich you are, how poor you are, how educated you are, how uneducated you are. I don't care what background you come from. The law of gravity, we could test it out. Everybody who jumps off our building will hit the ground. Amen. The law of freedom, everyone who employs the law will walk in freedom. Amen. Everyone. This is for everyone. But whoso looks and keeps on looking into the perfect law of liberty, and in case you didn't get the looks and keeps on looking, then he says it again, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed or in his doing. Wow. So in other words, the difference between the hearer and the doer is what they're seeing. It's the only difference. The one who's listening without practicing, with no intention of practicing what he hears, will leave a service and go, wow, that's awesome, and never think about it again. But the one who is going to be blessed is one who keeps on listening. That's the only thing. It's what you're seeing. See, the, the one who listens with no intent of doing, they set it down. The other one keeps it going, keeps looking at it. You might come out of a whole series, and there's one scripture that just hits you, and you just keep meditating in that one scripture. We go through 300 of them in a series, and, but it doesn't matter. Guess what? You're on one, and that's okay because that one will lead you into everything, right? That's how come what, what you're getting tonight, what somebody ne next to you is getting, 
could be different because this word is going out. I feel like I'm riding a wave when I minister. I just flow with the Holy Ghost. The goal, man, I, you know, to me, oh, if you would have heard this message, how I heard it today. You know, sometimes I'll sit in my chair in my office with my eyes shut, and I'm just like, oh, Lord, that is so good. I just want to one day preach on the outside how good I hear it on the inside, right? But here's the thing. The hungrier you are, the Holy Spirit will tailor make it to you because he's called to get you to the end strong. He's called to get you out of the situation you're in. He will lead you, the Bible says, into all the truth. See, thoughts always precede actions. Every action that you've ever done was preceded by a thought. A thought came first. So what do you do? So you stay near the word of God by keeping the word in your thought life. This is how you walk by the faith of God. Be careful with thoughts because a wrong thought will take you in a wrong direction. It'll, it'll produce a wrong behavior, right? See, if you see right, you'll believe right, and then you'll act right. So if you're not acting right, don't beat yourself up. Don't let Satan beat you up. Don't even let anybody else beat you up. Just go back and start seeing right. It's okay. Any mature believer, if, if you come to them and go, oh, man, I blew it again, they'll smile at you. So they're like, dude, I've been there. I've written books. I went to that concert. I bought the T-shirt. I'm like, yeah, I'm an idiot, right, you know, at the concert. Yeah, we've done it. And we'll look down at somebody who just fell and go, it's okay, come on. God's not mad at you. Just confess. That, that's paid for. Come on, God has life for you. Let's go. And after a while, you'll be like, God is so good. And then all of a sudden, you'll sit there and go, wow, my behavior has changed, right? We're all in the same boat. We all walk together. Amen. Amen. Look at this. Chapter 2 of James, verse 17. Let's keep going with this. So then James goes on. And he says this. Even so faith, if it has not works, it's the Greek word ergon. Even so, faith, if it has not corresponding action, that's what that word means, is dead. It's lifeless and it's inactive. If faith does not have corresponding action with it, in other words, if your, if your actions See, your actions will show whether you are in faith or not. It's saying right here, even so faith, if it has not corresponding action, is dead. Why? Being alone. Faith has to be released. It has to be acted upon. So what do you do? The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. Sometimes you declare Right? Sometimes he'll have you go do something, and sometimes he'll want you to go do something that your flesh will not want to do. Right? But you just, but you know him. You know he'll never hurt you. Just do it. Right? Being alone. Then it says this in verse 18. Yeah, a man may say, you have faith, and I have works, or I have corresponding action. Show me your faith without your works or without your corresponding action. And I will show you my faith. I'll show you my faith by my corresponding action. See, it's making a parallel. You can't show somebody your faith without corresponding action. Well, I'm just believing God. Okay. That's great, but let's see some corresponding action. Does that make sense? Because it has to have corresponding action. It says here, verse 19, 
you believe that there is one God, and you do well to believe that. Why? Because there is one God. But guess what? The devils also believe that there is one God, and they tremble. Why? Because there is not any corresponding action to their belief. And then it says in verse 20, but will you know, O vain man, that faith without corresponding action is dead? In our circles, guys, we micromanage this thing called faith so much that we got to give ourselves a break. Don't question your faith. Just look at what you're doing. It'll reveal where you are. And then just make the adjustment. Don't, you know, you might, you might just, man, here, right? You know, Sharon comes up to me, how you doing, Pastor? And, and I'm just like, oh, Sharon, I am blessed and highly favored. Don't you love when people say that? I'm just so blessed and highly favored. I immediately want to go into supplication for them. Because, man, there's something going on. They're putting on this church act, right? Right? What I want to know is what are you going to say when you hit your finger with a hammer? That's what I want to know. That's when you're going to find out what's in you. What, what's what's going to happen when somebody you know just, or somebody on the freeway, man, they just cut you off, right? Somebody, somebody just does you wrong. Let, in other words, as, as Pastor Mark Mason would say, what are you going to do when your sponge is, is squeezed? Because whatever's on the inside is going to come out. And here's the thing. If you're ever in a situation where the wrong stuff comes out, don't play church. Just go, wow, I need to change what I'm putting in. That's it. It's just, are you a hearer? Are you a doer? It's what you're looking at. It's not how spiritual you know, and, and well, you know, pastor, you're a pastor, so therefore, no, no. We all have to believe God the same, right? Satan will sit on my shoulder and tell me how much everybody doesn't listen to what I say, right? Now I'm learning. I love that. I'm like, thank you. You just confirmed people are listening because he's a liar. When I hear, man, you're going to die, I know I'm going to live. You can't do that. Thank you. I know I can. You're not in faith. Thank you. I know I am. Right? He helps me. He's a liar. He can't help it. But what is somebody who's just a hearer? You're not in faith. You can't do that. Oh, I know. Because you're not looking at the right thing. That's the only difference. What are we talking about tonight? How to walk in the faith of God. So let's look at an example here. Gosh, I've went a little long, but I'm going to go a little longer. But this is good. It's worth it. Go real quick. Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, real fast. Romans chapter 4, look at what it says. Verse 17. As it is written, and now Paul is going to quote Genesis 17.5. As it is written, God said this to Abraham. I have made you a father of many nations. Do you know God says, I have made you a father of many nations. Do you know when he said that to Abraham? Abraham had no kids. Why? Because he's the God that does what? He calls those things that be not as though they were. That's faith. And then it says here, before him whom he believed, even God who quickens, he makes alive the dead. Have you ever killed anything in your life? He could bring it back to life for you. And calls those things which be not as though they were. Do you realize this is the language of faith? The language of faith calls things that be not as though it was, and it brings dead things back to life. That is the language of the faith of God. And then it says this, who against hope believed in hope. Now, Bible hope is not like natural hope. Natural hope is I buy a lottery ticket and I sure hope I win. It means maybe I will, maybe I won't. Bible hope, this Greek word means 
a joyous, confident expectation. It's I'm full of joy and I'm confident and I'm expecting it to happen because God said it. So it says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now, verse 19, and being not weak in faith. So if you're not weak in faith, what are you? Strong in faith. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah could not have children when she was younger, but now she's 90. Right? You just, if, if you go to a hospital, I bet there's no 90-year-olds giving birth in there, right? No, why? Because her body is dead. What this means is Abraham was not looking at his body to tell him what his answer was. Don't look at your body or your finances or your circumstance to determine your answer. Don't, don't do that, right? Abraham did not allow his body or Sarah's body to tell him that God's word was not true. He, it, he never allowed that. Now, we're, we're talking about somebody who is walking and operating in the faith of God, the God kind of faith. He never allowed his circumstances to tell him what the word, if the word was true or not. No, no, he didn't consider that. So let's go on. Let me read verse 19 again. From now on for the rest of your life, every time you read verse 19, you'll probably start laughing, right? And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not. Guess what that word stagger? That's the same word we talked about last week, diacrino. He, he, it means to separate yourself from. It means to oppose, to contend with, to differ with. He staggered not at the promise of God. Remember that word? What things soever you desire, when you pray, or I'm sorry, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, remember that? Shall not doubt in his heart. Same Greek word. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. How was he strong in faith? He spent his time giving glory to God. God helped him. He said, okay, Abraham, here's the deal. If you could number the sand that you're walking on every day, you'll be able to number your seed, right? And he, God told, I mean, he's in the middle of the desert. God says, if you could count those stars, you'll be able to count your seed. In other words, God helped him so that he could meditate on God's word day and night. So in other words, when he's walking, when he looks over at his wife and the enemy goes, check out how old she is. She could not have kids when she was younger. What are you thinking about? And by the way, you're a hundred. Right? No. What did he do? Father, I thank you that I will be a father of many nations. You've spoken it. Right? So let's keep going with this. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I like the New American Standard Version of this verse. It says, yet res with respect to the promise of God. That's a big thing here. It brings out the Greek. Do you respect God's word more than anything else in your life? Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, 
but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. He grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, thanking him for what he already said he's given him. Abraham did not allow his body to tell him whether or not God's word is true. He grew strong in faith, looking at the promise of God, not looking at the natural. Looking unto the promise of God kept him from being swayed in his body. That's, he, he looked and he kept looking, right? So in other words, will you and I, are, I'll ask you tonight, will you respect the facts going on in your body or your life or the truth of God's word? That's always going to be. That's the question you've got to do. You've got to believe the truth. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That is the whole process. I would encourage you, read, read this passage, these verses, over and over, and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. The fight of faith is not fighting the devil. It's the fight. It's the fight for you to become fully persuaded that what God has promised is truth. It's, it's walked out in the process of renewing your mind to the promise of God. Satan works to keep us from becoming fully persuaded. And always remember this, guys. Put all the pressure on the word of God. Don't put the pressure on yourself. You don't have to make this stuff happen. You can't. Let the word do it. Amen?